Hey, this is Saturday Sports on TSN 690. Joey Alfieri with you till noon. What a last few days it's been in sports between NHL free agency, the Impact beat the best team in MLS, Canadians made a huge trade for Josh Anderson, Jimmy Butler, LeBron James going head-to-head, putting on a show in the NBA Finals. The NFL season seems to be hanging on by a thread. We've got a lot to get through. A very, very busy show uh, pumped up for our guest list, as we always are. We've got Jason Paul, waveintel.org. He's our analytics guru, and the best part about Jason is he keeps the analytics and the numbers simple. So we'll talk Habs. We'll talk Josh Anderson. Uh, we'll uh, we'll get his thoughts on the Tory Crew contract with St. Louis. Uh, that's six years by $6.5 million per season. And uh, we'll talk, uh, we'll break down the, the NHL landscape uh, with him. Uh, we'll have Amar Sadich, midfielder, Montreal Impact. He got the start against Columbus. And I think with all the injuries that they have, they're going to have to rotate through the roster. Very condensed schedule. Uh, Amar Sadich is a name, number 14, that you're probably going to remember uh, because he is going to be playing quite a bit uh, down the stretch. So we'll talk to Amar. And last but not least, I'm fired up about this one. Lou Dort, guard for the Oklahoma City Thunder, Montreal boy. He locked down James Harden in the first round of the NBA playoffs. And uh, he actually had a 30-point performance, if you remember, uh, in Game 7 of uh, OKC's series. It was a loss, but it's still a series uh, against the Houston Rockets. Uh, so we'll talk to Lou Dort about that. Uh, we will talk basketball as well. We will break down uh, what happened last night. The Heat 111-108 winners over the Lakers. And, uh, yeah, that's... Uh, pretty busy you can get in touch with the program a couple different ways you can text me 11690 you can tweet me at joey alfieri we're still on taylor wall taylor hall watch here in montreal canadians general manager mark bergevin admitted yesterday his team well they're looking into signing taylor hall and it's easy to see why he would be a clear upgrade on what the canadians have at left wing right now even if he's coming off a disappointing postseason with arizona he'd still be worth bringing into the fold the key for me anyway is on a short term deal can the Habs make it work and if they do pull off the unthinkable how will they make him fit under the salary cap and that kind of rolls into my uh sport Saturday sports question of the day which you can find on Twitter at Joey Alfieri and at TSN 690 if the Habs let's play fantasy line if the Habs were to land Taylor Hall they'd become your options are a cup contender a lock to make the playoffs fight for a wild card spot Still not a playoff team. We already have over 500 votes. We'll get to the results uh, in a little bit. But Taylor Hall still hasn't made a decision. Mark Bergevin came out yesterday. Unfortunately, the quality of the audio was terrible, so we're not going to be able to play it for you. We haven't been able to play it for you. And he came out and admitted that they were in on Taylor Hall or they've checked in on Taylor Hall. And I think there's a couple reasons why he would come out and say it. I know some people were stunned. Uh, Why would he come out and say this? I think... A, he wants you to know that he's trying, and B, I think they really are in on him. I think the term has to make sense, and like I said, I think I'd go a maximum of three years on a Taylor Hall deal, and I'd be comfortable going in at about 8 or $9 million a year. I think he clearly upgrades you at left wing, but again, like the Canadians went from having all this cap space and, you know, you... Canadians fan being mad that they're not spending the $8 million and yada, yada, yada to all of a sudden they have under $4 million to spend now. And if they do bring in Taylor Hall, somebody's going to have to go. Uh, do I think there's candidates on the left side that can be moved out? Yeah, for sure. 
I think uh, Thomas Tatar, last year of his deal, if you put Tatar in the market, then uh, I think you'd find a taker for sure. But here's the thing, though. At a certain point, the Canadians are going to have to win for Mark Bergevin to keep his job. Like, this has been, you know, again, I think he's done a nice job kind of turning things around slowly, but they still have to, you know, they're in that stage where they're, you know, this this second reset or this opportunity uh, for the general manager, like, it's going to have to pay off at some point. And I think that time is, is coming. And, you know, the best and worst thing that could have happened is that this team made a little bit of noise in the playoffs, and they did. You know, they got by Pittsburgh. You know what happened against Philadelphia. The young players, the young centermen stepped up. But the thing is, is that that built up expectations, which is both good and bad, because you've seen what they're capable of. And now you go into a season where the expectation is you have to make the playoffs. You're not the 12th place team in the East anymore. Because five months went by, you came back, and you had success. So if there was a way, and listen, this might be easier said than done. Don't get me wrong. But if there was a way to get Hall, keep Tatar, and even have him walk at the end of the season, I think that that's something that you need to explore uh, first and foremost. Now you're going to tell me, hey, if you're paying Taylor Hall eight to nine million dollars a year, you know, like who are you getting rid of? Well, that's a fantastic question, and that's one the Canadians need to tackle. Can they get out of the Paul Byron contract? Byron, who I really like, but you know, he is in his early thirties. He has three years left on a deal that comes with a cap hit of $3.4 million. Can they get out from under that? I don't know. In a flat cap world, I'm not sure. So if you're just if you're looking at it quickly, you know, you're gonna tell yourself, all right, yeah, you know, might have to be Tatar that's sacrificed. But if you can find a way to keep him and haul at the same time, I think that's something you need to explore. Uh Brett Kulak, you know, is another guy who's at one point eight five million. You know, that's another salary I think that, you know, Canes could shed, especially with Romanov coming through, uh, Victor Mete signing yesterday on the cheap. I don't know. But they're going to have to get creative. But, again, I remind you that until the end of training camp, and we don't even know when training camp is going to start, so imagine the end of training camp. I don't even know when that's coming. You're allowed to be 10% over the cap. So $81.5 million, you can add... 8.5 million uh or 81 million or 8.1 million uh to the salary cap at the end of uh by the end of training camp but you have to shed it before you know training camp ends you have to find a way to get yourself out of that uh out of that financial hole there are teams I know Vegas was over the cap here momentarily uh but for a moment just when before they traded Paul Stastny and uh if I'm not mistaken the Leafs are now over uh, there's a couple teams that are over the cap, not really to the extent that the Canadians would be over if they uh, if they signed Taylor Hall, but I think there's ways. I don't know. There's ways around it. Saturday Sports TSN 690. Joey Alfieri uh, with you till noon. I've got. Uh, I'm not used to this. I've got company in the studio. Man wearing a Montreal Expos ball cap. You and I both know him as Jonathan Kenneth Still. Kenny, what's up? Wow, Are you nice. giving yourself a standing ovation? Absolutely. I deserve it. Um, yeah, Kenny. Wow. I, I wouldn't be against uh, switching the name now to Kenny. We've gone with John, Jonathan, Johnny. Let's go with Kenny. I like Kenny. Kenny's actually your middle name, though. That's right, right yeah. Jonathan Kenneth Still the Third. Mm. 
Not the third, but not everything, the third. everything else is correct. Okay, good. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so, Johnny, you have any problem with what I'm saying here about Taylor Hall? Can you find a way to keep, get Taylor Hall and keep Thomas Tatar at the same time? <laughs> yeah, because I think the Canadians are entering a very interesting point in their development or at least building on where they are right now. And keeping Thomas Tatar for one more year makes the most sense for me because all these young prospects, the reason why the Canadians seemingly going forward, why they've added all these guys is because they're going to be cheap replacements for older veterans. So if you're able to keep Thomas Tatar and you're able to, let's say, wiggle your way through maybe moving a Brett Kulak, who not necessarily is all that expensive, but I'm just saying, guys who are maybe not nearly as prominent or as important as Thomas Tatar, like a Paul Byron, like a Brett Kulak, I think that makes more sense because who knows next year when the contract runs out on Thomas Tatar. Maybe Cole Caulfield is ready to join the NHL. Maybe Jesse Alonen has a season where he's ready to go. Maybe Ryan Paling's whole year in the American Hockey League, he's able to step in and that bumps someone else up. Mm-hmm. So at some point, these young guys are going to have to take roster spots away. And if you go and you decide to put it, go in all in on Taylor Hall, you could see going down the line how Alexander Romanov replaces Ben Sherratt when that contract is up. Like You could see all the dominoes kind of slowly falling into place right. of all these drafts. So I think it either has to be this year or next year that they go and they either move capital to acquire a star forward or they sign them in free agency. And then that ultimate plan that seemingly Mark Bergevin has had in place now for the better part of five years can come to fruition. Yeah. I just, I think, I think given the way it went in the playoffs, Sean, I just, I think they need to, I think they need to get in this year. And I know fans have been saying this for so long, Mm -hmm. like, okay, Canadians, like they need to have a season where they, you know, they do, they make some noise for everybody to be back. But I do think at a certain point, you know, it's one thing for Jeff Molson to believe in the plan. And again, I do think that Mark Bergevin in the last couple of years, they've done a good job, you know, drafting what well, we'll see if they can develop. Um, I think they've brought in some nice pieces. But this has to pay off at a certain point. And if you go into a normal offseason where you didn't have to come back and, you you know, you just you finish 12th, and you move on, you know, and you come back in September and you start over again, then I think expectations kind of come down. But because you knocked out the Penguins, because you pushed the Flyers, uh, you know, to a deep series, in fairness, they did, um, and you had the emergence of those young players, now all of a sudden the expectation is, well, this team needs to make the playoffs now. And if they don't make the playoffs now, I don't think it's guaranteed that everybody's coming back again. I think something's got to change. Everybody's back now. But something's got to change if they don't make the playoffs now. And it's funny, you know, everyone's talking about, you know, Droy needs to be better. Josh Anderson, the contract has to hit. I mentioned this this week. For me, the key is very simple. If Suzuki and Kotkaniemi play the way they did in the playoffs, Canes are going to be fine. Mm -hmm. If Suzuki takes a step back in the second year, Kotkaniemi is up and down again, you know, and he, he kind of resembles that player, even we saw in the first year, then I think it's it becomes a little bit of a problem. But I think, for me, the key to success, you know what you're going to get with Price, Weber, Petrie, and those guys. The key is the two young centers. Do they take another step? Because they did take a step. Both guys did after five months off. Mm-hmm. Do they take another step next year? Like in January, now that they've had yeah. all this time off, do they take another step? And if they do, if Nick Suzuki's ready to be a 2A or a 1B to Phil Deneau, and you have Kotkaniemi playing the way he did in the playoffs, I think the Canes are 
wild card team for sure. Maybe even more than that. Well, seemingly, that's the key. seemingly Mark Bergevin has also bet on that uh, based on the Max Domi trade. I don't think he has a choice. Well, there really wasn't, honestly. Yeah. But uh, the, the way that they performed, they made his job much easier. I don't think it's this year. I think it should be this year really? you don't because think if of they, the way... If they miss the playoffs again, you don't think there's no. changes coming? No. Wow. Um, because, again, he, he's in the fourth year of his five-year plan. So just contractually, it makes sense because you have Dano coming up, you have Gallagher coming up. Like yeah. for any other GM in almost any other sport, this would be kind of a make or break season. I think the season afterwards is it really because I think that at that point you have two years, two full seasons for both Kakenyemi and Suzuki, mm-hmm. so you know who those guys are. You're going to have another year of development from all the young guys you got, so you'll know who Romanov is, you'll know who Caulfield is after a second year in either the NCAA or overseas. All these young guys, you're going to see a progression with them, and you'll know who Ryan Paling is as well. And I think then, I think, and again, because he's president, it's so strange because it seems like Mark Bergevin has this psychic hold over Jeff Molson, or at least has is a very good salesman. But I don't think it's this year. I think if they miss the playoffs this year, I think you'll hear the exact same thing that we've heard the last couple of seasons, which is uh, we are building through the draft. We are progressing, blah, blah, blah. We haven't signed Taylor Hall. If they sign Taylor Hall and they don't make the playoffs, then I would agree with you. But if they don't sign Taylor Hall, I think that for the most part, Jeff Molson would be understandable about the fact that they're still one piece away. And I think he still believes that Mark Bergevin would be able to get it for him. But the year after, that's when I'm going to be where you're at. In 2021, 2022, I think that would be basically the make or break year for for Mr. Bergeron. And don't even like don't even get me wrong. I've I've said this in the first 20 plus minutes of Saturday sports. I do think the last couple of years, he's done better. Like they've turned it around. Like since the playoff loss to the Rangers, very good job. He's done a good job. But at a certain point, yeah, like it's it's a results driven business. But is and, it? But in the career of Mark Bergevin, well, is it? That's on. what I mean. Well, it's listen, so they inherited, it's very different. They inherited a team that was picking third in the draft. Mm-hmm. They went on a couple runs. They added some pieces. They sacrificed some second-round picks. They went to a conference final. I don't have to tell you what happened in the conference final. It didn't work out. They had a very short window where they were you know, a playoff team in the East. Mm-hmm. Then they came back full circle in the sense that you know things fell apart. The, some guys walked. Uh, you didn't have that playoff success, so you've reset, you've retooled. That's fine. I'm good with it. All right, you want to, and and they've stocked up draft picks. They've made a lot of smart trades. They haven't all worked out, but a lot of them are very good trades. Eighty percent have worked out. They've been very good. But now, like, if you come back to me this season and you finish twelfth in the East again, like, that's a problem to me. Oh yeah, like no, that's an I th- issue. I think they have to be in a playoff race. I think they need to be. But that's two years ago. I know, but if they're not ninth or tenth, I mean, they were fourteenth. They they were thirteenth so, in the East. So tenth, I no, they're twelfth. Twelfth, sorry. But if so, not ninth or tenth is okay, but twelve, no. Like I don't know. I just I think you need results at a certain point. And if you wouldn't have had the pandemic and the return, I think maybe expectations are lowered. But because the expectations were raised, I don't know. I think they need to do something. I don't uh, think you can raise expectations based on a. Oh, you can. Gimmicky looking five game series against the Pittsburgh Penguins. Right. But this is not Dale Weiss 
elevating and scoring, you know, five goals in eight no, no, games. Of this is no, young players that had five months off that took a step, and they're guys that have the potential to be number one centers. And this in the is NHL. the problem with the way the Canadians have built is that. We have all of this in the back of our mind, which is Suzuki's progressing and Kakanyemi's progressing, and you want to see that progression. But again, what do we hear all the time is that it takes 200 NHL games to really know who a player is at the National Hockey League level. Do the Canadians have that? Can they afford to have that with Shea Weber and Carey Price at the age that they're at? This was always the deal that the Montreal Canadiens were making, mm-hmm. was that young players perform really well out of the gates, you're able to exploit those cheap contracts, and most teams in the NHL do that, but they also don't have a goaltender who's on the wrong side of 30 and their captain and best defenseman who is over 35. Right. So that's the thing. This is the bed they've made for themselves. Will they lie in it? Mark Bergevin seemingly has not lay in it the entirety of his tenure here in Montreal. That is why, as much as I'm informed by everything else that happens in the sports world, and you and I, we follow sports like lunatics, Yeah, I would be shocked if this season is the make-or-break season for Mark Bergevin. I think it's next year. He's John Still. I'm Joey Alfieri. It's Saturday Sports on TSN 690. We're with you till noon. A reminder, uh, we will be talking to Impact midfielder Amar Sadich just after 11 o'clock, and uh, really excited to have Lou Dort of the Oklahoma City Thunder. Uh, He'll join us just after 11.35. What do the advanced stats say about Josh Anderson's game, and what do they say about Taylor Hall as a fit in Montreal? Our analytics guru, Jason Paul, will keep the numbers simple on Saturday Sports on TSN 690. Montreal Canadiens hockey, Montreal Impact Soccer, Major League Baseball, NFL Football, the Masters, Olympics, and so much more. Your home for Major League Sports is TSM 690. Well, I just want to make something really clear right now, and um, I am 100% recovered. I, I feel I feel healthy. I feel strong. Um, I'm I'm ready to go. Um, obviously, last year uh, it was a, it was a tough year for injuries, being hurt uh, a couple times um, with the shoulder, uh, and uh, I should have never came back early. But uh, I just wanted to be out there with my teammates and, and help them out. But looking back at it now, I don't think that was a good idea in, in the long run. This is Saturday Sports, TSN 690. Joey Alfieri with John Still. We're with you till noon on TSN 690. We will be talking to Oklahoma City guard, Oklahoma City Thunder guard Lou Dort of Montreal. Did Montreal proud during the NBA playoffs. Uh, He'll join us at 11.35, but we continue with the hockey talk. That's the voice of Josh Anderson. Signed a seven-year, five-and-a-half per million-dollar deal uh, with the Montreal Canadiens after being acquired from the Columbus Blue Jackets for Max Domi. To break that down and to talk uh, all things unrestricted free agency, uh, we go to our analytics guru, Jason Paul from waveintel.org. Jay, what's going on, man? Good, man. How are you, Joey? I'm good. I'm good. Just uh, it's been uh, it's been a crazy few days in sports with uh, you know the the Anderson trade, like we mentioned. NBA Finals is going to Game Six. I'm rooting for a Game Seven. Uh, the Impact are in action. The NFL is underway. It's just it's it's a whole lot of fun. I'm just not used to all this stuff happening at this time of the year. Uh, but uh, I digress. I'm still uh, I'm enjoying it. Uh, what did you make of the Josh Anderson contract? I think you know the. From a money standpoint, Jay, I thought it was 
it was going to be if it was going to be a long-term deal i expected something you know in the fours you know i thought it'd be four five four eight whatever uh so the money part didn't really shock me uh the seven years was longer than i had uh, anticipated but just based on the numbers and the production outside of that injury-riddled season last year, uh, what do you think of the Josh Anderson contract? What do the numbers say about Josh Anderson? Um, well, I don't know. I thought it was a long, long deal as well. It, it, it surprised me a bit, but um, I don't know. I, I think uh, I like what Bergevin did here. He went and got something that he really wanted. Obviously, they've had their eye on this kid for a while, and you have to pay up, right? So I think this is just part of paying paying the piper for what you want. As far as the numbers, it, it's a risk because, I mean, he, he had a full season where he didn't, he didn't play, basically. But the underlying numbers, even in the season that he, he didn't, uh, last season where the actual goals and assists did not add up, the actual numbers, the underlying numbers, the looked pretty good. Like, he was generating a lot of chances, had a ton of shots. Uh, the defensive side of the game was, was very strong. Uh, it just didn't go into the net for him. So... When you look at the underlying numbers, the, the numbers don't bother me at all. All right. So his numbers, though, uh, let's forget about last year. He did mention that he was hurt a couple times, came back too soon from the injury. Uh, he says the shoulder, as we heard on the way in, the shoulder is 100% fine. By the time training camps start, Jay, uh, it's going to be over a full year since he's played because he stopped mid-December of this year uh, and didn't get a chance to come back in the playoffs. When Josh Anderson was rolling, when he had that 27-goal season two years ago, uh, what did the analytics say about his game? What did you like about his game? Uh, he's a high-volume shooter. Um, he's a shoot-first kind of guy. He's the, he's the kind of guy that's going to be in front of the net. You can see that in, in, in the data. It shows that, kind of like Gallagher, his expected goals, individual expected goals number is very high, which means that he's getting chances in the high-danger zone. And, I mean, that's that's classic uh, Canadian hockey, right? They, they've been getting guys, and they like the kind of guys that go in the dirty areas, and this is what he is. Um, but what I think I really like about him, which I think maybe people are not talking about too much on Twitter and in the fandom, is it's his defensive game is very, very strong. He, 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 he's a three-use player, as I would say, right? He, he's a five-on-five guy, plays on the power play, mm-hmm. and he plays penalty killing as well. If you, if you go look at some of his clips... Uh, something I also tweeted out uh, after they signed him was, okay, people might say he had 20, 27 goals, but he had uh, four of them were empty netters. Well, the reason why they're empty netters is because he's on the ice in the last minute of the yeah. game holding a lead. <laughs> so they, they, they trust him. That's the kind of player he is, and I think that's a very important piece to his game that's overlooked. Yeah, I love when people say that, Jay. I love, oh, yeah, well, it's uh, four empty netters, so it wasn't really 27, it's 23. Yeah, that's not how that's not how that works. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> He's Jason Paul, waveintel.org, our analytics guru on Saturday Sports on TSN 690 uh, with Joey Alfieri. We're with you till noon. Uh, all right, look, there's been uh, Montreal, Taylor Hall. I mean, the, Mark Bergman came out yesterday, said, we're in, we're, we're trying. And uh, listen, whether or not they pull it off, I don't know. Uh, but how good of a fit would Taylor Hall be? And I know the numbers, especially in the playoffs this year with Arizona, they weren't great. The offensive numbers came down last year. He was traded in December from uh, Jersey to Arizona. But you know, how concerned would you be uh, if it is a shorter-term deal? Like, What's the longest you're willing to go uh, with Taylor Hall, and what type of money you think it would take to land him? Uh, I think... Um 
it's hard to say but what Bergevin would do, but um, I well, think is it worth? Do you think it'll be worth it? I, I think so. Anytime you get to add a, a star player like that, I think you got to try to do it. Uh, I think we're a very conservative group. I think as, as Habs fans, and Bergevin has been uh, very conservative. You know, with his contracts, he always he always talks about trying to get the value. But at some point, you have to. After all this conservative kind of uh, contracts that you're, you're you're getting, you have to go out on a limb at some point, right? Um, you have to start adding some skill. You can't just keep adding these, these uh, bottom six forwards. So, yeah, I don't know. If it, it doesn't bother the contract, things don't bother me that much. Um, go up to six, seven, eight um, term would bother me with him a bit, right? Because um, you have to obviously look at Kakanyemi and Suzuki. So, I think. I would try to go really short and and really high. If you have, if they they don't have very much cap space now, I don't think anymore after signing Anderson. So if you did go after a haul, you're you're probably gonna have to move uh, Drew in or, or Tatar. Right. Yeah. That's so. they're right under uh, three point nine million. So they're they're at three point eight nine six according to Cap Friendly. So we were talking about it off the top, and yeah, somebody's gonna have to go because I think you know if you look up front in the top nine. I mean, you would think that they're pretty set, but you can always upgrade, right? You can always upgrade on somebody. And I just wonder if, you know, you couldn't find a way to maybe keep Tatar, uh, who's in a contract season, and, you know, add Taylor Hall, assuming he's willing mm-hmm. to come here. Then, yeah, maybe you have to sacrifice, you know, a Jonathan Droy has got three years left on his deal. Could they find a taker at $5.5 Personally, I think they could. I don't know what you're getting back. Um, but that's something that they can do. Or you hold on to Drouin, you keep Tatar. Is Taylor Hall that we saw last season, is he enough of an upgrade over Thomas Tatar? You know, is he as big an upgrade as we think? Is that what, like, do the numbers say that? Yeah, I think so, um, for sure. I think Tatar has been so useful for the Habs, but uh, Hall brings a, a, a bigger dynamic. And, and I think people consider him to be a sniper, uh, Hall, but I think he's a, more of a playmaker than than people give him credit for, and I also think he's more of a a high danger guy um, that people don't give him enough credit for as well. Again, yeah. if you look at his statistics, mm-hmm. he gets in front of the net. His goals are all in front of the net. They're not. He's not sniping from the top of the circle. Right. Yeah. So, and yeah. He- I. Yeah, and I, I, to the point that you were talking about about moving players, I think. Just from a, it's not an analytics thing, it's just a business thing. I think it's the rich keep getting richer. If you sign a player like Hall, uh, it's sad that you might have to move on from a Tatar, but you're going to get assets back, Mm -hmm. right? So you might be upgrading, and then you're also getting assets back that you might be fill another need, whether it's a prospect or or a defenseman. Right. Who knows? Mm-hmm. Jason Paul, waveintel.org. He's our analytics guru on Saturday Sports on TSN 690 with Joey Alfieri. We're with you till noon. Um, all right, I want to go around the NHL a little bit. Uh, very quickly, uh, Tyler Johnson is on waivers. Would you take a flyer on Tyler Johnson? What do the analytics say about Johnson's game? Where is he at? Yeah, it's, I think that's more of a declining asset. Um, you know, it's more of what they already have, small speed kind of player. I mean... I, I, I don't know about you, Joey, but I kind of categorize players. And when you're looking at a UFA situation here, mm-hmm. I categorize them in, in three kind of players. You're looking at a, either acquiring a top six, a definite true top six, like Taylor Hall, yeah, or maybe a, a Dananov, for example. Or you're trying to get somebody that's like a stretch to be a top six, like a Athanasiu, or maybe a Duclair, or maybe a Johnson. Right. 
or you're trying to get a true bottom six player, right? Like uh, Smith, um, like Miku Koivu, for right. example. I, I prefer to either go big, yeah, or 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 go with a player that that fits that fits that spot, either fits the top six or fits the top yeah the bottom six. And so I would stay away from the Johnsons, and I would stay away from. Personally, mm-hmm. no. but you see, if like, and I, I agree with you a hundred percent. I'll take it a step further. Uh, for me, right now, I think the top nine for Montreal is pretty much set. It's, in my opinion, it should be Taylor Hall on a short term deal, or I'm going into the season with this top nine unless I can make a trade. I'm not interested in Hoffman. I'm not interested in Dadenov. I'm not interested yeah. in those guys. That that's just my opinion. If I can get Hall. You know, former Hart Trophy winner, guy who's a couple years removed from 39-goal season, fine. If yeah. not, I'm sticking with what I got. I, I totally agree. Signing someone like Hall also, it tells the world, it tells your team that we, we want to win, right? Yeah. Which can't be understated, I think, right? And, and I mean, what kind of player do you want to get as a UFA? That's the first question. What mm-hmm. are you trying to fix? Are you trying to fix the power play? Um, are you trying to fit? What are you trying to fix? And right. I think last time I was on on your show, we we chatted a bit about that. And I I personally think you look down the lineup and you say, "Where's the biggest hole?" And it sounds funny to some people, but it, I think it's the set, the fourth line center. Right. That that spot, if you're going to put Paling or Evans, which is great, I think people want you know you want to see what you can get from those guys. But mm-hmm. if you spend two or three months with somebody on the fourth line, that's not really doing fourth you know, pulling their weight, you could have two or three or four losses there that otherwise you wouldn't have if you had a, a veteran fourth liner, you know. Yeah, so. I'm with you. I'm with you. Saturday Sports, TSN 690, Joey Alf here and John still. John? So, Jason, uh, I just love Joey and I were kind of kicking it around in the first segment, but with Taylor Hall, let's just say hypothetically, the Montreal Canadiens are what to you? And without Taylor Hall, what do you think the Montreal Canadiens are going into next season? With Taylor Hall, I think they're they're a contender. Um, without them, I think they're they're, a, they're just a strong team. I, I think I, I kind of like um, I kind of like what the Bergevin actually has done here. I, I think he's gone out and got players early that he likes, rather than just staying on the periphery and just picking up players that fall on his lap. Right, so he he's building the team that he wants. We'll see if it works. What do you guys think? Yeah, we were kicking this around. Uh, Jay, I think that they need to, just based on, you know, I realize it was a short window, but the, the you know, coming back to play, beating the Penguins and pushing the Flyers and the way that Suzuki and Kotkaniemi looked, I think the Canadians have to make the playoffs this year, and that's why I would do everything I could. And listen, it, it may not be possible, but I would do everything I could to get Taylor Hall and to try to keep Thomas Tatar and create money elsewhere. That's what I would try to do. Even if Tatar walks at the end of the year, if I made the playoffs, I think everybody's safe and everybody comes back and you can say, hey, we took another step. That's how I feel. I don't know if it's possible to keep Tatar and Hall, but that's what I would be trying to do if I was the Canadians. Yeah, that would be that would be fantastic, yeah. right? Right. But um, it might not be it's, possible. It's like the Raptors, right? I mean, everybody talks about the Raptors with Kawhi Leonard. Um, signing someone like Hall really signals... And I think it kind of can reverberate through the whole lineup and the whole organization that says, you know, we're going for it, right? He He's also picking up uh, draft picks for next next year, right? Mm-hmm. You guys have noticed that, right? Yep. And so I'm wondering, um, you know, what, what what's the what's the angle there? And maybe the angle is that he's going to be also hard at the trade deadline and pull in some yeah. some help as needed, right? If the kids don't do a good job on the on the fourth line. 
Jay, thanks for doing this, man. Always appreciate you coming on, and I uh, look forward to talking to you again soon. Thanks, Joey. Thanks, John. That's Talk to you, man. Jason Paul, our analytics guru from waveintel.org. You can check out uh, his his Twitter account, at waveintel. Uh, he has all these fancy charts and graphs, but he explains them uh, in a way that's simple and easy to understand. The Miami Heat found a way to force Game 6 in the NBA Finals with a huge win last night. I still don't think the Heat are coming all the way back, but there's one huge thing I'd be concerned about if I was the Los Angeles Lakers. We'll break that down for you on Saturday Sports and TSN 690. Montreal Canadiens Hockey. Montreal Impact Soccer. Major League Baseball. NFL Football. The Masters. Olympics. And so much more. Your home for Major League Sports is TSN 690. Hands it off to Butler. Butler lost it, got it back, put it up, fouled, and he'll go to the free throw line. Jimmy Butler lost the handle initially, but got the ball back, put it in, and Jimmy Butler now with 12 points. LeBron James red hot from downtown. He's 5 of 7 from three-point range. Butler at the elbow, the jump shot, got it to go, Butler. 29 for him, Miami leads by two with a minute 50 left to go. Need defensive stops now. James drives, gets inside, running layup. It's good, and a foul. LeBron James ties the game and a chance for a three-point play. 15 seconds left, high screen by Green. LeBron staying there, LeBron goes in. Kicks it back out to Green for three. No. Rebound. Miami can't get it. Morris is there. Morris under the basket. Throws the ball out of bounds. He threw the ball out of bounds with 2.2 seconds left to go. Miami's got a chance to win this ball game. How about that play? Rondo looking for an opening. Rifles a pass to James. James gets off the three. It's over. The Heat take every punch and refuse to surrender. They'll be a game six. Jimmy Butler with another masterpiece. And the Miami Heat's dream of a title still very much alive. We live for these moments. Like the work that we put in, we built for this. We've been doing this all year long. This didn't just start in the bubble. We've been playing together, win, loss, draw, whatever. We're in this thing together. And that's what's going to win his games. Saturday Sports, TSN 690, Joey Alfieri, John Still. We're with you till noon. And a reminder, we will be talking NBA in just a couple seconds, but we'll also be talking basketball with Oklahoma City Thunder guard Lou Dort. He will join us just after 11.30, so really looking forward to that. We'll also be talking to Impact midfielder Amar Sadich in uh, roughly 10 minutes' time, uh, so you definitely want to stick around for that. How about that one last night? Game 5, 111-108, the Miami Heat able to force a Game 6 tomorrow night, and it was just an all-world performance from Jimmy Butler, an all-world performance from LeBron James. Uh, Butler with 35 points, 12 rebounds, 11 assists. LeBron, 40-13-7. and And it was just like, it was two heavyweights, and it was just those two guys. And uh, I was watching the game last night, uh, my wife was in the next room, and my wife knows very, very little about basketball. But uh, she was checking in. She knows that you know the Larry Ob uh, is going to be awarded soon, and so she's you know she's listening uh, to me, kind of uh, grunting on the couch and kind of you know making some oh what an amazing play. Like she's listening to me, and she's like at one point she turned around and she's like, hey, uh, all I hear is LeBron James and Jimmy Butler. Yeah, that's pretty much it, and you know. Up until about a week ago, my wife had no idea who Jimmy Butler was. I'll give her the credit. She knew who LeBron James was. Uh, But, no, I mean, those two were just going 
at it, and it was back and forth. And uh, you saw Jimmy Butler, you know, defending LeBron James a lot, like we've seen in the series. And they're just, you know, it, it was just funny to see like these two guys are clearly gassed, and they just wouldn't stop. And the motor on Jimmy Butler was incredible. LeBron James doing what he does at 35 years old is still absolutely amazing to watch. And again, like LeBron just can't catch a break. Like I mentioned the stat line, 40-13-7. and seven. You know, he, there was times where, you know, you had this feeling that the Heat were going to pull away and they were up by 9 and up by 11 at different times. And then LeBron James would hit a big shot. He'd hit a big 3. He'd take it to the hoop and score and, you know, and 1 and he'd get to the free throw line. And the Heat never were really able to pull away because it just seemed like LeBron James was willing the Lakers back into the game. And, of course, you heard it on the way in. At the end of the game, LeBron James goes to the hoop. He attracts three Miami Heat defenders. He kicks it out to the top of uh, the top of the uh, top of the arc to Danny Green. Of course, Raptors fans will know Danny Green very well uh, from the time his time in Toronto last year, winning an NBA title. And Danny Green struggled this year. And you're gonna hear. And and please, I don't want to tell you how to think. But don't fall into this trap of, well, LeBron James has to go through three guys and he has to get a shot off, and he's the one who has to give you know the Lakers the lead in that moment. Mike, Michael Jordan wouldn't have lost that game. I saw that on Twitter last night. Please, please don't fall into this trap. Yeah, because Michael Jordan never kicked it out to Steve Kerr. Yeah. Oh wait, LeBron exactly James. LeBron James did the right. Could they have drawn up a different play? Sure. Could you try to get? You know LeBron James in a one-on-one situation, even if it's with Jimmy Butler. Sure, I, in an ideal world, I'd love to. I'd love to have that, and I'm sure LeBron would take that every time. But Danny Green wasn't even close. It was an uncontested three, and that's Danny Green's game. He hit the front of the rim. There's no one within ten feet of him. So please don't don't fall into this trap of all oh, LeBron James always passing off in these critical moments. Stop. Stop. Okay? LeBron James did everything that he could to keep the Lakers in that game, and he did everything that he could to seal the deal in the series and win a fourth NBA title for himself last night and a first for the Lakers since 2010. So please don't fall into this trap. Here's LeBron last night. Obviously, it was back and forth. Um, Big play after big play. You know, a couple... You know, questionable calls that swayed their way, put Jimmy to the free throw line. Obviously, we can't do that. He's, he's been, uh, you know, damn near perfect at the free throw line in the series. You know, we just need to get one stop. We feel like if we can get one stop, you know, we can do something on the offensive end. But we got a hell of a look. We got a hell of a look to win the game, uh, to win the series. Um, didn't go down. And then we got the offensive rebound. We turned the ball over. I thought, you know, we had a lot more time than I think we even thought um, after the offensive rebound. And, and you know, uh, pass wasn't executed as, as, as we would like. But... We got to be better. We just got to be better in, in, in Game Six and, and close the series. He's right. It's a hell of a look, and they didn't knock it down. And it's not the only reason that they lost that game, because there's a couple boneheaded plays. You know, like like the Kyle Kuzma. Like, got to be like I don't know if we want to put him on a milk carton, and I don't want to beat up on the guy because I liked him too. And when they were discussing the trade for Anthony Davis, you know, he was one of the guys I said I wouldn't trade Kyle Kuzma in a deal to get, you know, one year of Anthony Davis. You know, you want to trade Brandon Ingram, you want to trade Lonzo Ball, that's fine. But Kyle Kuzma, you're not scoring, that's fine. But the boneheaded play, 
you know, the and one, the three and one that you gave up to Duncan Robinson, that's like a crucial play in that game. But of course, if Danny Green hits a shot, then we're not talking about that. We're not talking about anything else. We're not talking about how LeBron passed it up. But please, don't don't fall into this trap of LeBron James always the first. LeBron, the only reason the Lakers were in the fight last night and Danny Green had a chance to put them up late was because because LeBron James willed them there. So please, I, I don't like telling you how to think, but just don't fall into this trap. Don't fall into this narrative that LeBron James always defers and he's never there to take the big shot. That was the right play last night. That was the right call last night. You got Danny Green, a perfect open look, and he just he didn't hit it. That's it. That's all. You come back, game six tomorrow night. You have a chance to close it out. I still think they're in a great spot, obviously. Uh, you watch Jimmy Butler walk away from the podium last night. Like he can barely walk off the podium last night after his media availability. I still think they have a great shot to close this thing out tomorrow night. I had Lakers in six before the series started. Mm-hmm. I'm going to stick with that. The one thing I mentioned, there was something that concerned me. It's the heel injury to Anthony Davis because he didn't look right after he came out of the game for a bit last night. That's the one thing that concerns yeah. me. And listen, the Heat have overcome adversity too. They didn't have Bam Adebayo for a couple games in this series, and they haven't had Goran Dragic since game one. So listen, if you have to overcome, Anthony Davis is going to play on Sunday. There's no doubt about that. But you're going to have to overcome some injury, injury adversity. That's the one thing that kind of makes me nervous is that if you don't have Anthony Davis full go and the Heat can win game six, then all of a sudden, I mean, anything can happen in a game seven. Anything. Yeah, just a quick comment here. Number one, if you want LeBron James to go at three people and try and win the game, then you have Russell Westbrook. You don't have LeBron James. LeBron James has never been that player. He'll never be that player, no matter how much Paul Pierce is going to go on first take on Monday morning and torch him. It was Jay Williams last night and and this morning. Jay Williams, oh, LeBron's got to take that shot. We know Paul Pierce is the certified number one LeBron James hater, so I assume that that Paul would have a similar kind of uh, way of looking at it. Look, another guy that we have to talk about. I mean, are the Miami Heat going to get 26 points from Duncan Robinson again? Uh, is Duncan Robinson going to be within two points of having the same amount of points as Anthony Davis in a game? I mean, that's the thing is that the Heat did so many things well last night that yeah. you kind of have to tip your hat to them. And in the end, did anyone really think that they were going to win in five? Did did they think it was going to be a four one closeout? The 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 Heat are in terms of depth, and it's being tested right now without Dragic, but they have better depth and better pieces around they don't have the superstar talent but I mean Kendrick Nunn has barely even featured in this series um, because of the injury earlier on in the playoffs Um, Tyler Hero Bam Adebayo they have elements of their team that are very good so I think it's it it's lazy to label last night's game as LeBron not being able to sink that shot at the last second I mean come on uh, like I'm a Jordan guy, John. Like, don't get me wrong. Like, I am a hundred percent on this in this argument. I'm yeah, a Jordan guy. I'm exactly. I'm with a Jordan you. guy, hundred percent. But you have bias. But you, there you are UNC nonsense. Yes, I yes. love North Carolina. My, I had the full kit when I was a kid. I had the shorts, the t-shirt, the jersey. Michael Jordan. Like, I will always be a Jordan guy. But I am fed up 
of having this discussion with people on Twitter, hearing people talk on the air about LeBron James and he defers a stop, please. Like, can we just listen? If you don't think he's number one, fine. I don't either. If you don't think he's number two, we're good. But he's one of the greatest players of all time. Why do we have to put a number on it? And why is it that we have to nitpick every decision? Danny Green missed a wide open three last night. That's it. That's, That's the game. all. That's, That's the game. That was, you had a chance. All the mistakes you made leading up to that. All the boneheaded plays you made leading up to that. If Danny Green hits a shot, we're not talking about any of it. So please stop. I'm done. I just I don't want to hear this anymore. LeBron James is a great player. He's one of the all-time greats. He has a chance to close out this series again. The Lakers do tomorrow night. I think they get the job done. Now, if they close it out or not, we'll see. But I think that they're going to get the job done. I'm just I'm fed up of people crapping all over LeBron James. Just appreciate greatness, people. Just appreciate greatness. What's left right now? Nothing. Uh, I left it all out there on the floor along with my guys, and that's how we're going to have to play from here on out. Um, like I always say, it's, it's win to win for us. But this is the position that we're in. We like it this way. we got two more in a row to get. There's Jimmy Buckets. The Montreal Impact are looking to build off their big midweek win over Columbus. What's the best advice Thierry Henry has given midfielder Amar Sadich? The Impact second-year player will tell us on Saturday Sports on TSN 690. Joey Alfieri with you till noon.